Welcome to Mercedes Second Chance Podcast, where we share real life stories about addiction, getting clean and being given a second chance. Hi, um, how are you? My name is Mercedes and this is the Mercedes Second Chance Podcast. I'm really happy to have you. Um, you want to introduce yourself, Hubert? Sure. Okay. Um, my name is Hubert Benny Matthews Jr. And I'm so happy to be here on Second Chance, Mercedes. Okay. And, uh, well, it's Mercedes Second Chance. Mercedes Second Chance, yeah. And, you know, when you asked me to do this, I was excited, really. I said, oh, because I've always heard about a podcast situation and I should start a podcast. And so, But I didn't know how or what that looked like. So when you asked me to do this, I said, oh, okay. Let me go see what this is about and how it does. So when I walked into the studio, I was like, oh, so this is what it looks like. And I was, I got excited because mm-hmm. it's another vehicle to be able to express and talk about things to get to people, right? And that's important to me. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And so I'm here to talk a little bit about myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, first we'll start with right. how I how I met you. Okay. You know, um, it's a little blurry for me because I was under the influence at first, and then I maybe had a couple days clean, mm-hmm. and I remember you going around downtown by Greyhound, and you were just helping people. I didn't know what you were doing. You were so happy, and you <laughs> right. know, when I'm in the grips of addiction, I'm waking up like, oh, I don't woke up again. What am I going to do? You know, God, why, why, why? You know, and I'm all messed up. And so to see you happy, it's like, what could you possibly be happy about? I didn't even know what day it was, let alone having something to be happy about. And um, and I did notice that, you know, you were really, really happy. And then you were really, really kind. And you treated me like a human being. And that was, that's rare when you're out there and you're, for me, I was sleeping in tents and um, on park benches and doorways and stuff like that. To have somebody look at me like a human, because sometimes we do desensitize ourselves towards the homeless, right. and um, and you treated me like that, and so then I thought, oh, I'll never get clean. I know he wants me to get clean. I'll never do that. But then, by the grace of God, later down the line, I did. Mm-hmm. And when I seen you um, in some recovery meetings, I was happy and I felt proud, like mm-hmm. I made it. See, you know, <laughs> that's right. I remember that day. I remember the reason why I was out around the Greyhound because I was working in a program in the nonprofit that I work for today. And we were doing outreach that day. And and um, so I was just doing outreach around that area and stuff. And then I remember seeing you cross the street and you had this aura about yourself that said to me, why are you out here? What's your story? You know, why? Why are you out here? So I wanted to get you connected with the program that I was in. And I think I gave you my card. And so, you know, I give cards out and I talk to people all the day, all day long, right? So I didn't think I heard from you until I seen you in a meeting, a recovery meeting. And I was happy to see you there because I know that's where my life was changed, right? And I knew you had a chance to be able to find some direction and get some manageability in your life. And so when I seen you there, I was like, okay, because people come in and out of recovery meetings all the time, and they don't stay for whatever reason. So you stayed, and I just, you know, and you ended up where I was trying to go 
going to probably direct you anyway if you got into the program, but you found your own direction. And I was happy about that, right? Because really it's up to the individual to find where they want to go in their life. You know, I can't make anybody change or want to go in a direction that they may need to go unless they want to, right? Right. Because I took many, it took me many chances to try to change my life from the route that I was going, right? Right, right. So. Okay. So why don't you um, go into your story, how you started using, you know, your life before that and um, what changed and stuff like that. Okay. So I'm a son of addicts, right? I have siblings who are addicts and I was born in 1962. So I'm a civil rights baby, right? And so growing up for me was very much, it was okay. You know, I, my parents left my siblings and me with their parents. And my grandfather, I stayed with him. He worked for the railroad. And my grandmother was, was a very homemaker. And she worked for a place called Waverly Baby Home. So she took good care of us. But she was sick, right? She had diabetes back. This was like the 70s, the late 60s. So she died like in 1972. And that kind of sent, up until then, my life felt secure. After she died, the men in my life, she took care of all the responsibilities, the bills, and all that. So when she died, that left a gap. They didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So my father ran and got married to a woman that had nine kids. And and uh, so that was beautiful for me because I, I had people to play friends. with. <laughs> yeah. Friends and stuff, right? But my dad had an addiction, so the marriage didn't work, right? And so they got separated, and I stayed with him, which probably was a bad choice because he didn't know how to raise kids and stuff. So he just started drinking real heavy and he wouldn't pay no bills or anything. So mm-hmm. by my sophomore year in high school, I'm kind of like with nothing, no lights, no water, no food, you know, and I was trying to go to high school. And But I did because I played basketball and I enjoyed basketball and I liked to play on the team. So I stayed, that kept me in school. But all this time, I was always smoking weed and drinking, trying to cope, right? Mm-hmm. And it was fun, and we liked to party back in the, the late 70s and early 80s. And So I never even thought about being an addict or how that would affect me. But it did, you know, because I was smoking weed, so I couldn't go to class. I'd all be late to school, and I just did the bare minimum so I could play basketball. Mm. So that was the start of my addiction, right? And so, you know, I somehow I, I, I got out of high school, <laughs> Somehow. Somehow I did. No I got a diploma. I got a, Scoot you along. I got a diploma. And then I tried to go to college a little bit, but I never was really good in school because I was going to public school and I didn't really get the education because I wasn't going to class anyway and I wasn't applying myself. So I so college didn't work because I wanted to go to MBA, but I was on it was it looked so distant and I probably didn't have the talent so not to figure it out. So I went to the military. So I went to the military and I struggled through basic training, but I just like high school, I graduated basic training and and and, and I came back to Oregon in National Guard and I and so I was trying to do the right thing and I met my baby's mother. She was a dancer. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, we tried to be a family, but she got addicted on she got addicted to drugs and I had some so I, I, I was I was exposed to racism, right? in the National Guard, and I remember experience. I, I wanted to be a state trooper. 
because I was in the National Guard and I had the credentials to go on to be that. And I figured I could take care of my family like that. But I went to get an application and the officer behind the glass dismissed me. He wouldn't even give me an application. He wouldn't even look at me. Mm. So I left and I was angry. So I have friends. This is the 80s. It wasn't no work. We was in a mass uh, 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 recession. There was no jobs. Right. It was horrible. So everybody was selling crack cocaine back then. Here it comes. Tell us what that first one was like. Uh, Well, well, I started selling drugs with my friend. But I was using cocaine. I wasn't smoking. I was snorting. And, you know, so I was making money. And then I, you know, you know, you know, I started to primo put the cocaine rock in the weed because they would say this misinformation. This isn't as bad as putting the rock on the pipe. (laughs) Right. Right. So I did that. And and it and it just went crazy so you know the little success i was having selling drugs went away and so my life began to tumble you know now i'm hooked on cocaine and i became homeless i went to prison i went to jail and i did that for 20 years oh 20 years right yeah and then one day i looked up i was 47 i didn't start smoking till i was 27 so when i like whip van winkle you know i woke up and said oh wait a minute I'm 47 years old and I haven't done anything with my life. Right? I haven't done anything. And I was like scared. I was too scared to 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 continue to use, but I was also scared not to use because I didn't have anything going on if I stopped using. At least when I'm using, you know, I can somebody I can, you know, you know how they go. And so, but I made a decision to quit using because I knew that was the only way that I have a chance to have some kind of a life. I didn't know what it was gonna look like. So I seen people that I used with through the years who had stopped using and started going to recovery meetings and, and having that kind of a lifestyle who had changed their life around. Right. So I said, well, I'm going to try that. I've tried everything else to use successfully. It never works. Let me see if I do this and how my life will turn out. So I went to treatment and I started following rules. Yeah. I started being responsible. Okay. You know, I had to do the thing. So what I did, how I tricked myself into <clears> doing that, I said, I'm going to do everything that I don't want to do. <laughs> we always got to have something. I got See, I was to. like, I'm going to do it. Everything they tell me to do, I'm going to follow the rules so I can prove to them this don't work. See, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> right. Because I got to trick myself to the do the things mm-hmm. that, because my belief system is self-destructive. Right. Default. It's self-destructive. It's default. So I got mm-hmm. I got I remember when I was getting high and I... I had one of those moments of clarity, and I said to myself, oh, God, I'm about to dig deep in my soul to quit smoking crack. And I, <laughs> and I meant that because I knew it was just had that much of a grip. Yeah. So I guess my higher power heard that, and I was able to dig deeper to my soul and, and pull myself back into myself, right? Because, you know, when I'm getting high, it's like turning yourself inside out, right? So, so I had to turn. <laughs> So is that what you got? I don't know what, what it's That's called. what it looked like to me. So I had to go back in and turn myself back right side in, right? So I didn't get, because, you know, yeah. So did you said a prayer, like, God help me? That's pretty, that, much, that's pretty much what it was. It's pretty simple. Yeah, okay. pretty simple. God knows what's going on. Yeah, you know, I just yeah gotta help say, me. Help me stop God, smoking. help me, you know, because I, I talk to God all the time, but I always do what I want to do. I'm self-centered. Right. You know, God's there, but I'm driving the bus. God, I can drive it. God right. be like, you can't. 
And I'm like, yes, I can. Just move. Watch. And he'll let me drive, not crash and stuff. And he'd be like, come fix it. Why you why you let right. this happen? You ain't no good. I'm see, that's why I don't believe in you. That's how they do. <laughs> so that's that's what addiction is. That's what it looks like, right? Until mm-hmm. you come to a place to where you can say, Hey, I can't do it alone. Right. You gotta surrender. I gotta surrender. And that's hard for us, especially it's, with our people. And being a man, that's gotta right. be hard to surrender. That's like yeah. telling if if being in the um, service to surrender, that's like it was the thing hard. you don't do, right? Oh, no, it was hard. Yeah. yeah that was, but, it, but it helped. But all that experience, see, because we're talking about experience. Mm-hmm. I'll be 60 in July, right? July 7th. So where I'm at today, so I made that decision to quit using, mm-hmm. and I continued to not use, and I continued, cause, but I'm still afraid, right? I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten opportunity after opportunity and I went into these opportunities afraid because I didn't know nothing, right? I'm not right. smart enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve what what I have. But I walked through that anyway. Even though I didn't believe, you know, when I got my first, you know, I'm a peer support specialist. I'm a qualified mental health associate. You know, I sit on the Metropolitan Public Defenders Board. I'm wow. on I'm on the Measure 110 Council, wow. so I I work with a lot of you know I'm a supervisor now mm-hmm. for men that are coming for not just men but men and women that are coming out of prison that needs to be uh, transitioning into society. I supervise the program to help make that to help people with that. You know I'm a community activist. You know I work with 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 uh, a, a organization that helps gang does gang gang uh, life coach. So I have a many, many different titles that I just really didn't look for because I was true to myself and I stayed clean and I did the next right thing. People started to see that and they said, hey, we can use you to do this, this, and this. I said, okay. Lady came up to me the other day and said, you know, you're a peer, so I, you know, you're a peer and we need you to talk to some peers with the medical field. I need you for like an hour, hour a week. And I can give you two thousand dollars a month. Oh. I said, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah no problem. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So my lived experience has caused me to have experience to be able to help in the community with the situations that's going on now, the homelessness, the mental health, the addictions. You know, I'm very well experienced in that. So you know both sides. Yeah, I know both and sides. I, yeah, because lived experience. People that are closest to the problem are closest to the solution. Exactly. I really believe that. But you know what I think is really special about you is that you really are good to people and you uplift them and motivate them. And that's not easy because to stay happy and stay positive takes work. It's easy to just throw in a towel and be miserable and hate on everybody else, but to really wake up intentionally and um, put your best foot forward and always take the path of um, – of the most resistance to get, you know, to stretch yourself and grow. That's really hard. And I noticed that you do that and how important that is to our community. Because when I was in treatment and we had people like you, peer support specialists, they would come and they would, um, they would take us to get food boxes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I remember I had bags with me and they would say like, why you got so many bags? And I didn't know why I was just so used to having bags in the tent. Like something might happen. You know, I got to keep my bags. I got food (laughs) in here. I got aluminum foil. I got, I, I got a book, it. you know, but they treated me, they treated me very kindly. And they would right. say like, Mercedes, you can get clean. And they would say, Mercedes, you don't be able to keep your house. Cause what was really going on is I was afraid I was going to get high. I was going to use them, exactly. kick me out. But exactly. they would say, you can, you can stay clean. Mercedes, you're never going to use again. And I'd say, how right. do you know that? You don't know that, you know? And they say, well, I believe in you. 
I never had nobody look me in the eyes and say, I believe in you. That changed everything. Gave you some hope. It gave me hope. Like, well, man, this person seems sure they self, they're holding their stuff together. And if they believe in me, then like maybe maybe it is something to me. You know, maybe, maybe I could be something. Maybe I can come back. And so, but without that being positive and loving and nurturing, you know, that person to person contact, I don't know that I ever would have did that. Right. You know, because I had so many negative voices, I didn't have anything to counter that. So, um, what okay, so you were using right and you said your prayer, you know, help me. God knew what was going on and you started to stay clean. You went to these recovery meetings. How did how did you what was the, what was like your experience the first time you went to recovery and why did you continue to go? So for me, I had to stay out the block. Okay. People, so, places and things. Yes, I have to figure out because because when I leave the block I don't have no more friends. Right. I'm all alone. All alone. You know, and so being alone is not a good place for an addict, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to change my people, place, and things. So a meeting attendance helped with that, right? That helped. And then, you know, because I had to, I went to a, a morning meeting, an afternoon meeting, and an evening meeting. Mm-hmm. So I had a plan. I had to do it like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I had to, right? And then when that became normal and felt comfortable, I needed to stay. So then I started to get involved with being of service. Because, see, if I'm being of service, if I'm helping other people, because, see, in my disease, I'm taking, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's a victim. You know, I'm hunting because I got to feed my addiction. Right. So I had to change that perception and that mindset. So when I start doing that, then I'm saying, okay, let me start doing service work, like, you know, uh, things that we do to set up meetings and, 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 and I've been around for, you know, just things that help be a part of. Right. You know, because when I was on the streets, you know, I was I was in a dope house and I'd answer the door or, or I'd hold the sack or, you know, whatever I could do so I could get another hit. Right. Right. And so the same thing. So I do whatever I can to stay another day. Right. You right? chase just, your recovery my, like you chase right. the dope. Because my, my new perception and goal in life is to stay clean today. Right. You know, because, you know. If I don't stay clean, then it's just like it's like Cinderella. Mm-hmm. When Cinderella got the magical, uh, the magical uh, fairy godmother, and she gave her a chance to be the princess That's of at the, a night, at a yeah. night, but she had to be home by twelve, <laughs> or else everything turned into a pumpkin and stuff. So I take that analogy right. is like if I take a hit. It's going back to that. To right. the pumpkin. Yeah, the pumpkin going to turn into a pumpkin. Those men is going to turn go into bad. rats. Right. But as long as I don't use. You get to stay in a palace. I get to stay in a palace. Right. I feel that way. We were talk- right. I was talking to somebody recently, and they were like, Mercedes, you always go got to go to meetings, you know, because now that I'm working, right. and I got all these the yeah. social acceptability, right. and I'm right. getting some things back. They're like, you still going to meetings? And I'm like, yeah. And um, they were like, well, you you got a house, you got a car, you don't need to do all those things. That's when you better right, do it. Right. And then, you know, and these are other addicts right. who don't go to meetings. But right. then they're constantly relapsing and, you know, coming back and relapsing. And I'm like, you know, all I know is these meetings work. Right. And if <clears throat> I want to go to law school and I'm in position right. to do that and I want to work in politics and now right. I'm doing that and I want a brand new car and I'm doing that. And all I have to do in return is make a meeting. Once a day for an hour, hour and a half. And help somebody. Right. And help somebody. You know, I'm going to do it. Like, that's a fair trade-off. You know, because what's the alternative? For me, jails, institutions, and death. That's all you got coming. You know, and so 
I don't know what it is. For some reason, I just, I believe that everything they say in the meetings, you know. But um, one thing I, you talked about, and I want to go back a little bit, is that being of service. So you talked about going to the meetings early, setting up the chairs. We have coffee, setting up for coffee, and doing all, like, the grunt work that people don't want to do. And um, and I remember that, you know, because I they told me to be of service. And it's really hard because before in our addiction, it's all self-serving. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you want to do the hottest things. You, like, I came in and, like, I'm too young for this. I want to go to parties. I want to go to clubs. You know, I need to be at the strip club. You know, I don't want to be making coffee in this basement, right. you know. But I didn't want to go use again. I didn't want to, you know, be that girl that was digging in my mom's purse after she was dead looking for right. money. You know? And so I can that relate to that. I did that when my mom died. You did? Oh, yeah. I took the money out under the mattress. I didn't even go to the hospital with her because I knew she had some money in the apartment. Mm. So, you know, I was going to get there because I couldn't do that. I felt like I couldn't help her because she was alcoholic. She was dying. She was in the late stage of her alcoholism. Her liver shut down. When I found her, she was semi-coma. And she didn't, she woke up one time when they took her out. This was, they took her out of the house. She looked at me, right? Mm-hmm. She looked at me and she was going out the door. That's the last time I seen oh. any spiritual contact like that. Yeah. But I had to have the money, right? This is how vicious addiction right. is. You know, I know my mama dying, mm-hmm. but I got to have a hit. Right. I'll get to her after all the money's gone, maybe. Right. 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 Because the disease of addiction don't take bereavement. You just, it's no more. No. Right. Um, I definitely, I relate to that because my mom, she died of a heroin overdose and, um, I was, I was going to the hospital. I was going to do everything, but I had to get some money to secure my bag adult because I really felt like I couldn't live without it. And now she's gone. It's even worse, you know? And I think that's really important, you know, because we tend for you, what I've seen, like you go hard in your recovery, you're working your steps. You got a sponsor, you got a home group, you, you know, you're going to your meetings, you're of service, you're in the community, you're doing all those things. And some people will say like, why does he go so hard? But when you hear something I like hard you, when I use, right. And then two, <laughs> that pain can drive you like, you know, in that shame of what you were before. And yeah. you, that, that turns sometimes into willingness. Like, I don't want to go back there. So I'm going to, you know, write this out. And you know, that's, at least what I saw in you. Well, what I did because I knew how hard it was to break that cycle. So hard. It was when I to get out of that. It was remember I so told you hard. I had to dig deep in my soul. Right. So I dug deep in my soul and I popped myself back to me. And so now I'm running. I said, Oh, because I remember when I stopped using long enough that the desire left, right? The desire was gone. And I said, Oh, it was like like a spiritual awakening. I said, Oh. I don't have to smoke no crap. I don't right. want to smoke no crap. <laughs> I don't have to. Oh, now I can live. Now the 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 the, the now I can do things. I can live because that's because that's such a burden to use because it gets in the way of everything. Using gets in the way of everything. Parenting, living, eating, sleeping, all that. Yeah, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Addiction is very selfish. Very. It wants yeah. all your. It want to kill you, and it wants all your time until it gets you done. Right, but it want to take you to the. Deep pits of despair. I heard a speaker Everybody say one time. Get there, Some people take one hit and die. And die. Because, well, most people that OD, they thought they had one more. That's what they we'll said. See. And I think, like, oh, my gosh, that's so harsh. And I remember sometimes the meetings we hear, like, some people have to die so some of us can live. Not that that is the most selfish, it's like, true. insensitive thing. And I never got it until I had about two years clean. And right. it hit me, like, if my mom hadn't died, I would have had no reason to get help. Right. She was my enabler as well. Right, right, you know, right. I wouldn't have any reason to do what I do. And when I have the pain that I feel from the way I treated her, just the way I treated her, you yeah. know, 
I can never undo that. So my amends to her is to stay in this program because in this program I'm treating people good. It's changing my character. I'm being better, you know, I'm of service. Right. And I'm a better member of society. Exactly. I'm a contributing member, you yeah. know, of society. And that's being what, who you're supposed to be. Being who I'm supposed to be. Because what happens in our country, in America, right, America uses mm-hmm. whatever it is. America uses people. Right. We use we use drugs. They right. use war, well, money, government. Well, <laughs> well, it's just because we're talking about addiction, right? Right. We're talking about disease, so it don't matter if I quit using drugs, if I don't find out who I am and what I need to make myself feel good without putting on a mask or, you know, looking for that in somebody. Excuse me, in somebody else. Then I have to see. See, now I'm at a place in my life to where I love myself, right? And not so much to where I don't want to help nobody or anything. I'm not going to harm myself, and I'm not going to harm you. See, when I'm using, I'm harming me first, mm-hmm. and then you get it too, right? Because I don't right. love myself. But recovery has helped me to love myself and give myself uh, an infusion of hope to where I want everybody to have what I have. Yeah, right? that's what it is. So it's an attraction. Yeah, so, it's carrying so, that message. So people, I see people, I see people all the time that just getting out of prison that haven't seen me. I've been clean for twelve years. They haven't seen me in this light. So when they see me now, they're kind of like, they're, they're curious, right? Something happened because they're wondering where you been. Yeah, and you've been over here this whole time. But most, but then even with that, that's my personal thing. They just see the perk. But I, I work in the field of of, of, of services. So people want housing. They want. They, they tell me what's going on with them. And then I can connect them to things that's going to help them. Right. I meet mm-hmm. people all the time, and so that's so. By my higher power giving me a second chance, mm-hmm. the second chance was without a job to do, and it's to be able to use my success to show other people that they can come out of this mess. That because see, it's a family disease, and. You know, the mass people that are out here that are homeless and that are uh, uh, on drugs are lost. Mm-hmm. Society cannot fix it, right? Because first of all, you mm-hmm. can't fix it with money. You know, I've done, I've been, I've given people housing who weren't ready for housing because you have to be able to be responsible. Right. If you can't be responsible, you can't, people want my life, but you, I have to, I'm responsible. Right. You know, when I first got clean, I was scared to pay rent. Right. And oh, I remember that. You said you were terrified, terrified to pay rent. And then you said every month, on time. On time. That I was so scary. Why was that so scary? Because I was scared to be responsible. To show up. Because it felt like it was overwhelming. Like, I got to pay rent every month? Because right. I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we asked for Wednesday off. <laughs> but, but I did really need a break because I quit that lifestyle. So my That was a big break right, right there. So I had to learn how to be responsible. I had to learn how to manage my money. I had to learn how to manage my disappointments and 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 because life ain't fair, life right. ain't fair. Right, People want not. life to be fair. It ain't fair. Are well, you kidding me? You know, oh, nope. It's not. But I was thinking about this too because I got upset. Something happened to me not mm-hmm. that long ago, and I didn't deserve it. And I was hot. And I was like, God, I'm helping people. I'm doing the right thing. I'm praying, you know, and I'm doing everything you want me to do. Uh-huh. And this happened to me. Why? And this is an attack from Satan. Right. This, that's what it is. And, you know, and I'm I'm, I'm coming against <laughs> demons and everything. I got my smudge. You know, I'm okay. all in the house. Right. But yeah. what happened is um, it kind of came to me. I see things like the shootings in Texas. 
Um, I see right. people walk right. I see people walk right over the homeless people and don't think twice about right. it. You know, I see people, you know, treat other people wrong. I see people right. get fired for no reason. I don't say nothing about it. Don't bother me. I don't ask no questions. Why? But the minute something happens to me, Ooh. life ain't fair. But I have had so many chances, second chances, third chance, like right. so many. And so right. you said you've had your second chance. And for me, my second chance looked like um, I wanted to get clean. I couldn't. I didn't know how. I went to my dad's house. I detoxed and I slept a little longer than I meant to because <laughs> I hadn't slept in about 45 days. So <laughs> Right. And so I slept. And wow. um, when I returned, my dad dropped me off where, you know, the illustrious tent I was living in. Um, and I, I stood there. And it was like, I remember looking out the tent, getting out, and just a voice, not even a voice, just a sensation say, I get, I'm giving you what you wanted. You know, right. you wanted to be. And it hit me all of a sudden, like, I've been clean for three days. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, do I do? what do I do? Oh, right. I go to those meetings. Right. You know, and they're, and luckily, with the meetings, we have our meetings right where right. our addicts are at, our active addicts. So, you know, they're real close to the solution. And I went in the meeting, and that's what my second chance looked like. Like, right. I sat in that seat. I said, hi, my name is Mercedes. Right. I'm an addict. And I never went back. You see? I never went back. That one instant, that spiritual awakening you had that's, with three days clear, you went to Because you had a choice. I had a choice. You always got a choice. You could have said. Because I had my money you for my dollar. Right, you could have said, well, right. shoot, I've been clean three days. I'm going to take one more. Well, a part of me did think, like, Oh, it's gonna like when I take a hit, it's gonna be better because right. you know when you detox a little bit, then your Keep your tolerance stuck. go down Keep a little stuck. bit. So then when you take a hit, it's like oh, it's gonna affect you more. Right. So there's that you know that sick thinking. I do. That's that that insanity. That insanity. And right. so what did it? What did the second chance actually look like for you? When did you know you were really given like a second chance and that you could take it? When I got humble, and I knew so so I've I've always so I've been smoking. I've been smoking crack for 20 years. So I'm a street addict, you know, so the gang, you know, the hustlers, the after hours, the selling dope, the, all that stuff that appealed to me kept me stuck, right? The lifestyle. Cause the lifestyle mm -hmm. had been that, that, that little small window of the lifestyle been gone when I started using, right? Right. But my mind says, if I just quit using, I can go back to that lifestyle. I can have the, when I, because I want to go back to the beginning of my addiction, right? Right. That's not possible. Right. Because it, it progresses, right? So that would keep me stuck. Mm -hmm. So when I said, you know, when I said at the same time when I said that I got to quit using, I also was saying I had to get out of, I had to bury the lifestyle. And so I felt like a failure because in the game, you know, yeah, you know, this is for life. You know, I'm a player, I'm going to be. You know, and that's just that mask because that's not who I really wanted to be. But I was always attracted to that because of the nice cars, the clothes. I remember growing up watching Superfly and the Mac. And, you know, when I was growing up, when I was like 10, 12, it was the 70s, so they had the big Cadillacs and the big hats. And, yeah. You know, that's what it was. And that looked mm -hmm. flamboyant. It was like, wow. Yeah, it was a but by the time I became a man, see, this was a trip. By the time I became a man... Those cats, Long were gone. them cats were dope fiends. Them was the cats oh, I was selling dope yeah. to. Them players, them husbands by then, they were all done. So I was, and I remember having a window saying, ooh, I remember him when back in the day when he had to. He was a man. He's, now he's buying heroin and cocaine from me. And so, but so, so this is my turn to shine. So I got there too with the cars, the jewelry and all that stuff. And it wasn't, and then I became the person that they were, the drug addict. Who now the younger guys were selling me drugs, 
who was right. looking up to me, right? Back, you know, and then so that cycle, right. right? So when I, so then the guys that were selling me drugs, the first ten years, ten years later, they were on drugs smoking crack with me, right. and the babies down, the guys that was watching them are selling them and drugs. It's a cycle, and it's a cycle. Yeah, but the but see, so now the substances change, but the game stay the same. You know, still killing people, right? So now it's fentanyl. It was crack with me. Now it's fentanyl and and meth. Right. When I doing it was black tar heroin and crack, crack cocaine and powder cocaine and right. pills has always been around, right? So, so it just doesn't. It still does the same thing, killing people, right? Mm-hmm. But society's gotten so desensitized to that. What's happening with drugs? That's why you see people in tents and the police don't arrest nobody. Well, when I was using the police, was jumping out of vans and chasing us around. We had to hide right. you. Well, that's new because when I was using, I couldn't like how they got the tents out right. and they're just on the streets and they're posted. Like right. there's some by my house. They got a couch. Like they are comfortable. You know, <laughs> right. for us, we had to pack up our tent and leave in right. the morning. Exactly. Like from we could not from eight to seven p.m. We like we had to be gone. That's why I was where I right. seen you at at right. the uh, exactly. the homeless you center. Leave it. The homeless center, right? right. Why well, have my wagon right. with my with my tent on it, not too far away, tied up? <laughs> right, I tied right. up because I don't want nobody messing with my stuff. <laughs> See? You know, and it was all I had. And so, um, wow. but I remember that's what kind of made it hard. Like it right. wore on me, like having to carry my tent where I sleep and my covers and my clothes and shoes and a bat. Cause you know, it goes, gets crazy at night, you know, and then paper. And, and I had the nerve to have a Bible <laughs> cause I would pray. I, you know, right. I love, I love, the Bible. <clears throat> I would pray. I pray hard. And, and it helped you. It was yeah, cause I would I would keep it. Sometimes they want to break stuff down on it. And I'd be like, no, 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 not this book. Right. You know, get the little table over there. Right. You know, and um, so you kept your spirituality. Some I was a you praying dolphin. It, it's right. crazy, you know. Kept your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, something. Kept your life. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but that that constant moving and no stability. It was like, like a nomad. Yeah, I was like, God, I just need a break. I just want to lay down, <laughs> you know, like. And hmm. and that I feel like that makes you get closer to that rock bottom. Yeah. But when you let people get out, you know, um, out here and they're getting comfortable, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, um, right. <clears throat> do something with these people. But um, okay, so we're um, our time's coming to a, a close end. There are some things that um, I want to know, and All I had right. a couple of questions. What would you say is the best part of recovery? No, first, what advice would you give for somebody new in recovery? Trust the process. Trust the that's my favorite thing. Trust the I process. Love, trust the process. Because everything's a process, right? Right. And love yourself. Learn to love yourself and learn how to do the next right thing. And learn to be responsible. You know. Right. And this is the kind of stuff we learn in meetings. That's why they say meeting makers make it. And it takes time. You're not gonna feel comfortable with, with those things. Because, see, I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel on drugs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I live off character defects when right. I'm using drugs, right? Today I live off spiritual principles, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm not, I'd am not. i have to go back. I'd have to, to go back to that. I'd have to make a conscious decision to screw my life up. Right. I'd have to say, you know what? I just want to be screwed up. Yeah. All the things that I've gotten, I just don't want to do. Anymore. I just want to be screwed up. Right, right. Yeah, that's that hopelessness. So what is one of the spiritual principles that you live by that you use day to day or frequently? Well, one of the spiritual principles I live by on a daily basis 
is trust. Trust. Trust the process. Trust the process. Okay. It's real simple. Right. Trust. I have to trust people. I have to trust what I do. Because even though it's been working right, I still got to believe it. Right. You got to trust it. You got to turn it over. So I continue to do what I've been doing from the beginning. Right. I, I still go to meetings. I still hang out with the people I hung out. Because, see, I got new friends. I did hang out with my old, my old, uh, uh, I got high school people, brothers that don't, that they know I'm in recovery. Everybody knows I'm in recovery, but I hung with them. They still do that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't do it, right? You know, if the one guy offered me a drink of his, his pint. You know, and I just looked at it. I looked behind me. Who are you giving that to, right? I'm not, I don't need that. So I don't right. need it, right? Right. And then, then so I just, I said, you know what? You know why I don't drink that? They say, why? I said, because the police is coming. <laughs> and they're they, coming. They, they coming. If I take a hit or a drink, the they're police coming. is I'm coming. I'm doing something sure. that, yeah, they will be called. That's funny. Let's go open that up, right? Okay, so um, I guess we'll end with this. What do you do to get past your fears, in, like for today in recovery? I'm a supervisor, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't want to do it because I didn't believe that I could handle the responsibility. Mm-hmm. But I got all the experience I need to do it. Yeah. So I faced my fear and I applied for that job anyway. Hoping that they're not. You just showed up, suited up, and I showed saw, up. I signed up for it and then it, did, it was like, I didn't think they'd hire me. Right? right. Then I got the call for the interview. I said, oh. yeah. Then I did the interview. And they called me the next day for a second interview. Yeah. In a week, I had the job. And I was like, oh. But I could have went to, got more money with the county. But I took the supervisor job because I wanted to be able to see if I had the leadership skills. Right. To, to be able to lead. That professional development. Right. This professional development. Because I can always go and get for the state or the county, because I got I built my resumes up to where you know I can write when I, I leave stuff off my resume. I can't I don't put can't everything put right. everything right. With right, I can pick and choose yeah. what I do. I remember when I first had a resume, I didn't know what. I didn't have nothing on mine. I didn't have nothing. Or either it was a lie. Right. <laughs> From the top to the bottom, right. I copied and pasted. I went on Google. So the process works, and my life is great. Yeah, trust the process and use trust. Um, if you um, let me think. If you had one thing that you would say is the most powerful in NA, like what is the most powerful thing that we have going on? What what would you say is the most powerful thing? Well, the hope. Or I can't even say. I would say right. in recovery. My bad. The hope. It's all right. <laughs> the hope that I've gained. The hope. I know that I can. I know there's no, nothing's impossible for me in my life. Nothing. I want to be a United States senator. Yeah. I really do. I want to be the, yeah, me too. You know. Governor something. Something, I do. Put me in there, right. I think, uh, and I think that's possible. It's definitely possible. But I can I, see you there. But, but. I already know, see you there. You'll right. be there. So, you know, and if that happens, so be it. You know. And if not, you still, you're still good with it. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what recovery also that's, brings, yeah, is that um, content. And that peace and that real love for yourself. Like, right. if I never do it, you know, I'm okay with me. Right. And that's important. Well, I want to thank you for coming on our show. Well, thank you for having me. This you know, you're great. great. This is great, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for listening. Please like, 
share, subscribe, and visit our website at mercedessecondchance.com.